Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And you have these unbelievable highs. In turn, you have, you know, astronomical lows. It is impossible to not feel something. And for me, the outlet was actually letting tears run. And I didn't know that was going to happen. Movember presents In The Barber Chair, a podcast dedicated to bringing you real cuts and real conversations about men's health. I'm Matt Johnson and I'm your host. Movember wants men to take action to live happier, healthier, longer lives and they invest in prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health and suicide prevention. Hey, this is Matt Johnson in the barber chair with Movember, and today's guest is Ori Aduba. Oh. I apologize before we even get started, Matt, because um, last week I completely like, lost my voice. Did I don't you? Know where it went. Before this weekend, I had had like a four week period of, of not drinking. There were a couple of times I went to a restaurant and went to a pub for the first time since lockdown. So I was like, well, okay, I have to kind of, you know release the shackles a little bit. Apart from that, I hadn't really had anything to drink. And it was the first time I ever lost my voice. I'm like, all this stuff about not drinking being better for your health. I was like, it's the only time I can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, I, as, as a result, I had a bit of a bender this weekend, all at home, just me on my own. Um, uh, so it's recovering. But if I start squeaking, uh, going in and out of, uh, of being able to communicate, you'll know why. You, uh, can you reiterate what you said about me looking like Thor? Yeah, I was, I was just about to, and I actually was going to do it without you teaming me up. I was going to say, because I said it before we started recording the podcast, I hadn't seen your face in a really long time, and um, one of my favourite uh, film franchises in the world is Marvel. A lot of friends will know this. And um, as soon as you popped up, the only person that sprung to mind was, uh, I forget his name, no, of course. It was Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, mate. You swerved of a bit and said Liam Hemsworth. It's a really well-cultivated beard, mate. Oh, thanks very much. I've had all of lockdown to work on it, to be honest. It's like a bonsai tree, just like snipping bits off. <laughs> for five months. Little, little nail clippers and tweezers just, yeah. just working away. Anyway, enough about me. I want to talk about you. How have you been throughout lockdown and in the last few months, my friend? Um, we've been, we've been okay. I think if you'd asked me that question two months ago, I probably would have answered very differently. But right now, we, you know, we, we're good because you can't help but feel like, even though it's a really mucky day today, um, like there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. We don't know what will happen in the future. But right now, as things stand, it feels like, gosh, we've really gone through 
some stuff and my wife and I went out for dinner. My mum my came to bubble with us. All of these new lockdown lingos, we had a bubble. <laughs> so my mum came up and stayed with us for a bit, which meant that Portia and I could, could go out. We could leave, you know, we could leave our little boy, Roman, who's two years old, behind and go and do something for ourselves. And what was so crazy, like, you know, the world has continued. It's hard to think when you've had four and a half months of lockdown that everything else, well, has tried to continue to a level. But even getting on the tube for the first time was, was crazy. And we got to this um, restaurant. Actually, we went for a drink beforehand. And what was great, getting served straight away. There are lots of lovely positives about lockdown. You've got space and you can get to the bar without being sort of overrun. But we sat and had the re- we went in the restaurant, and um, it was just it was it was baffling because I, all the last sort of two months and three months before that was sort of going through my head, and I was like, do you remember there was a point where we could only leave the house for one hour a day, one hour, and at that point you genuinely had no idea when that was going to end. That was just how we were going to have to exist, and here we were in a restaurant with each other and other people like I was literally I was getting drunk on the atmosphere of seeing <laughs> other people enjoying themselves because we've been starved of it for so long and um and we need it you know we love for having each other's company I'm talking generally about people it's lovely to have the people close to you but Jesus, it's not the same life that we've well, I guess grown to take for granted a little bit because you said a couple of minutes ago you had a uh, maybe a difficult time. Do you want to talk through that a little bit? So there was just a couple of moments. I think the, um, and this would have been the same for so many people, just the, the, the uncertainty of a lot of these phases, you know, you'd be waiting for Boris and co. Add to that that you're spending, Portia and I, my wife and I have been together nearly 10 years and we've never been through a more challenging time in our whole lives together than the last four months. And we've been through some stuff, amazing highs, lows. We've been through it all, at least we thought we had. Um, but I think you really get a measure of how solid you are. And I think this goes to everybody, if you can get through this. So we were spending all this really close time together. And, you know, our son, you know, Roman, <laughs> he's the guy who has definitely, you know, got us through it. Because he's been the entertainment, he's been the distraction, He's been the reason that we've got up in the morning at times, the reason we reminded ourselves to eat because he's, you know, barking us down to feed him lunch. Um, but also he's been source of a lot of the arguments as well. So all this stuff kind of just piles up on you. And I remember um, my wife went out for a run, like a late afternoon run, and I was getting my son's food ready. And there's just been a lot of uncertainty, you know, um, uh, it's down to me to bring in the to bring to you know keep a roof over our heads and to bring in the bread and that kind of thing and so having not worked for a little while i'm sure this will be the case for a lot of people you just start wondering okay when's this going to change so i'm in the kitchen preparing my son's meal and he's tearing around tearing around the place you know he's basically bringing the house down and i was looking around just for something to cook in and i always remember i can't remember what the source i've got this from but people talk about mental health and talk about when things get hard. And I wasn't in any place to diagnose um, what I was going through. It had obviously been difficult. But I remember somebody saying, sometimes it's when you can't do the small things. 
that's when you know that there's a problem. And I'm really kind of pernickety about my just stuff, especially in the kitchen. So I need to know the stuff is there where I left it. So I was preparing him a meal and I was getting some stuff out. And just everywhere I went, something was either broken, empty, unwashed. And it's just, just preparing a two-year-old's meal. This is not rocket science. And it got to the point where <laughs> all I wanted to do was put a little bit of salt into the saucepan to boil some water. And the salt grinder was empty. And I, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this for much longer. And it was that point where I, I realised it that I knew I wasn't all right. That was it. And that's all I needed to do. I just needed to realise, okay, I'm not okay. And then as soon as my wife came home, well, not necessarily as soon, soon as, I, I did make the dinner. The salt and grinder did get refilled, so it was all right. Um, we got home to bed, we got him showered, we got him to bed. And, uh, and then I told my wife, and I was like, do you know what, I'm not actually struggling a bit here. I had a bit of a wobble. And we just talked it out. And that was it. And immediately, like, I, I was, the, the relief just, it was amazing. So we had a couple of those um, moments. And um, uh, yeah, for me, it was just, just being so happy to be able to, to know that I, I was comfortable enough to say it and my wife was willing enough to listen. And, uh, and we moved on. And here we are. So, uh, That's so yeah. important. It's about, it's a, I've always been about the communication. I've always been about just the fact that you have to talk about these things. Like even right in the beginning where something was on, on my chest, I held it for about four or five days and she thought I was acting weird. And I was, because I was like, I don't know, I can do this. I think this relationship is doomed. It's not going to happen. And then um, it just, it got to a kind of a, um, it came to a, to a bit of a tumult. And I had to say something. And I did. And as soon as I did, I was like, oh, oh I've just been holding on to that for days. She was like, yeah, cheers. I've been sitting with you for days and you've been a melon. So thanks for finally saying it. But it was just, ever since that point, we have always just spoken about it. And sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's not what you want to say. It's not going to make things happier immediately. But in the long term, my goodness, it's the only way to go. Is that something that you've you've had in the past as well? Not just in your relationships. Is that something you? Um, I I kind of uh, relate to it in the way that I always want to please people. Uh, being a TV host and working in an industry where you have to make everybody happy constantly, from being a runner upwards, um, I never wanted to say anything uncomfortable to other people. Therefore, suppressing what I really thought, which made me very unhappy. Is that something that, can you relate to that? Um, definitely in places. I think it's, um, work's a funny one. It's a funny business, isn't it? It's a really funny <laughs> business. Um, but I definitely feel like I've got to a point now, and this is only, so uh, Strictly happened in 2016, and it's been four years since, and it's just been like that. It's been all over the place. It was brilliant, and then, there's a moment where you're just like figuring out who you are and what you're supposed to be doing and what people want you to do and then what you want to do. And it was, you know, just like a whole juggling act while still just existing, <laughs> paying bills, trying to be happy, you know, satisfy, you know, your family life, all that kind of stuff and, and trying to balance the whole thing. And I went through a lot of different phases of trying to figure out what 
other people wanted me to do or to be. And throughout that period was the most unfulfilling phase of my career. And there have been more difficult times, you know, people possibly watch and listen to this and think, you know, you, you know, you've been on these TV shows and, you know, Strictly was an amazing moment. And obviously it's easy for a lot of people to think of others in the public eye and think that they're doing brilliantly. But of course, it's just not that case. And I've had periods in my career pre-Strictly where I was doing a, a really tough job. But as soon as you try to do things for other people and you kind of lose that sense of self, like it's really hard to get up in the morning and figure out what, you, what you're doing. So it, uh, in, in many ways, lockdown really helped me kind of center that what the important things are. And that is like having a real sense of self keeping the people that are important to you really close to you and trying not to, and it's not easy, but trying not to care about what other people think. You're the one that's in charge of your own destiny. So um, screw them. I completely understand where you're coming from there. I speak to so many people who have been in a very similar situation to you, whether it's actually directly Strictly Come Dancing or uh, a period of their life when they have huge success. And it's very difficult at, at that point to kind of sustain and to remain your own your own self. Um, I'm very interested in this period of your life, so I'm going to ask you: What did you, ex- what did you think people expected from you? Um, well, I mean, there was really strictly kind of. I guess I hadn't gone into that show expecting anything, so you know, I was I was working in um, sport broadcasting predominantly. I'd done a few other things, but I'd just been to the Olympics. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to start thinking of some pretty whack ideas now because um, doors are opening and people are willing to listen to you and talk to you and, and uh, kind of wells your oyster a little bit. Mm. Um, and that's where, because I'd, you know, I'd, I'd grown up watching Saturday Night Telly and I loved theatre. I did a lot of theatre when I was a kid and... You know, I loved singing, and this was this was a kind of whole thing about me that a lot of people didn't necessarily know. And I'd been working in telly for about seven or eight years at the time, and um, and I'd been doing a certain thing. Um, but I wanted to change it up. I wanted to think. I wanted to do a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do, and that got me to a certain place. And you kind of felt like there was a bit of a glass ceiling, really. I was like, yeah, I can do all this stuff. Then over time. And I always feel for a lot of the people who do Love Island because it's that same idea of you're chugging along really happily then you do a show and that show just like that sends a lightning bolt through your life and you come out of it and it's kind of unrecognisable. But whereas I had been working in the in an industry that I loved and that sort of I had a lot of connections and I kind of knew how to piece different things together, even if it wasn't what I'd been doing up to that point. I feel for the Love Island guys, because this is a world that they don't know. They don't know anybody. They don't know how to how to kind of negotiate it. And they're lucky if they find people that they can trust. And of course, some people have, and they've made you know huge gains from it. Um, but even for me, it was kind of like, okay, I feel like I'm, if it's not working out straight away, am I going backwards? And you just kind of start 
doubting yourself and you feel like, okay, is it, should I hold on to my Tesco badge? Because I've always had my Tesco badge from when I worked at Tesco Fern now, 2004. You know, am I going to need that sooner rather than later? And what, what kind of changed it, I guess, is because I knew I wanted to work in, in theatre. After doing Strictly Art, I was like, I, I love performing. Um, a kind of a light bulb moment went off because I remembered how much stage work that I did when I was growing up that I had kind of parked in a dark corner of my brain. And I remember all this. I thought, that's something I love doing. If I can make that into some kind of career, then who knows what we can do. So that was kind of my, on the back burner homework that I was really trying to hone and get those skills up. So as soon as I was, I was able to get on stage, I was like, this is something I have grown and created and I can own myself. Obviously, you're still waiting for someone to give you that first role but I always felt like if I could just get that role then sudden all of a sudden all of those anxieties all those worries about waiting for the phone to pick to someone to pick up the phone um waiting for that email to come through am I going to get that job that's when I've got something that I can call my own and I hadn't had that for a long time um and that really helped over the last 12 months really helped center my strategy of okay just just own your destiny really write your own script i think that was kind of what came out of it and um and only lockdowns only kind of helped strengthen that idea of just trying not to worry about things that are out of your control um and just consolidating the things that you can change so that's what you did you you effectively and I noticed this. I, I, I've known you and I've watched you and I was a big fan of you on the show. And But I've seen you as a sports journalist and a broadcaster for many, many years and one of the best that we've had. And I mean that. And so, but I, I think I didn't pick up on the fact that you switched careers in the last two years. You've turned it on its head and you, you are still in the broadcasting world, but you, you've effectively without announcing it with your flag in the sand, like a lot of people do. And I think more modern um, stories are people uh, in mid-30s and later in life uh, just saying, actually, no, this is what I want to do for me. This what this is what makes me happy. That's what you did. Yeah, big time. And it wasn't easy. It, uh, mm. and, and there was supposed to be a lot of, um, I wouldn't say individuals. It was possibly just that like, there's a, there's a, it's, People don't like change and people like you stick into your lane. And it took strictly for me to kind of realize that because otherwise I would have been, you know, chugging along. I remember when I was a kid, I thought I was, I was going to be a surgeon. <laughs> for no reason other than the fact that I thought my dad's, like, mate, I haven't even got, a, I've got a really unsteady hand. Can you imagine that? Being, your, your brain being operated by me then. I shouldn't have got this career, but somehow I've got here and here I am <laughs> with my scalpel. Um, no, I always, I thought my dad would be, would be impressed if I was, if I was a surgeon. So that, that was for, for years as a kid, I thought I'm going to be a doctor until I realized that I hated biology. And it's the same, it's the same um, principle, you know, trying to do things to, impress others i think it is it's time wasted it really doesn't help anxiety if that's if if that's something that you suffer from and um in the end feel really unrewarding because if even if you do achieve success who have you done it for well that's the thing a lot of men suffer with this this suppressed um self um sense of self that people have they 
so many people, and I've fallen into the bracket of trying to impress other people, living somebody else's purpose, which is um, a very, very dangerous road to go down. And this is why many studies show that many men in their late 20s, 30s, definitely 40s and 50s, they, they have these feelings of, oh my God, what have I done? I am a surgeon, which is what I did for my dad. I have a lovely wife, which I, which was, I only got with her because I thought that would impress my friends. I've got two kids because I should have kids by these this time. And and then you go, what have I done for me? And then I think that's, you know, that midlife crisis effectively is because of that. And obviously the misguided nature of the midlife crisis is that a very masculine thing to do is to, well, supposedly masculine thing to do in that panic is to buy a sports car or to date somebody that's 24 or something. And it's very misguided of what masculinity is. And it's a very interesting conversation of what masculinity is based on this suppressed sense of self, which is what you've been through. I've definitely been through that. I'm constantly evolving. You know, one minute I want to be a rock star, the one a TV presenter, the next minute I just want to be a housewife. And that's, just, you know, I just, I fit in between the three. Uh, but it, it's, it's constantly evolving. I think we do give ourselves a hard time, don't we? We do. And so while you just uh, make that point about what masculinity is supposed to be, I'm just going to reapply my lip balm. <laughs> you do you, hun. I'm in dry lips, mate. I'm never without. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I do think that people do lose their, lose their sense of self, but I, I also think it's just, it's important to, it, 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 sometimes it, it takes a bit of a journey or it takes a moment of realization because when you've got the sort of cut and thrust and the, the, the rigors of the day and you're doing Monday to Friday and you're just, you're on the treadmill of life, really, you stop, Sometimes it does take until you get to that point. You've just bought the sports car and you're like, what have I done for the last 15 years? And that was, I guess, what I, I was able to realize at that point in my career when I thought, okay, I've, I've got, I've, I've somehow managed to find someone that wants to spend the rest of their lives with me. I uh, have just somehow managed to win this amazing TV show. And I just thought, well, the last thing you want to do now is to sort of go with the motions and it's easy to think when you when you've got that like okay all right but it's not good enough or or somebody should is expecting more of me like what do you want ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I've found that a lot of men are very, very afraid to be vulnerable, to show their feelings in their, in, in, to, to their friends and to their family, and um, especially on national television. I think for a lot of people, yeah. And even though a lot has changed in 10, 20 years, I think there is still a stereotype about what guys are supposed to be like, what the perception of being a man is. And, and this coming from a guy who... <laughs> he was known on Strictly for crying, you know. And it's really interesting because I, 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 I did cry, but I, I just feel like if you commit so much of yourself to anything, anything, like whatever challenges that you're trying to overcome in life, let alone a TV dancing show, but if you commit as much as, as we did physically and emotionally to something and you have these unbelievable highs, in turn, you have, you know, astronomical lows. It is impossible to not feel something. And for me, the outlet was actually letting tears run. And I didn't know that was going to happen. I was just open to, like, feeling all of these emotions. And I just found it interesting because nobody, nobody jibed me about it. It wasn't like I didn't get sick. It was just, it, it, it became a bit of a thing that people would ask about. And I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud that uh, not less, not least of what we did on the show, and also that um, uh, you know you didn't see many people crying on telly, and I guess I was one of them. And now people are really open to it. I was um, uh, I read a quote that Fern Cotton uh, gave. I think she was on a podcast herself, and she was talking about how when she's going through some stuff, sometimes she. I would say, I don't think she said she forces herself to cry, but she just allows herself to have a moment that a lot of the time results in shedding tears. And she feels amazing after it. Like she feels like a completely different person because she's actually like let it out. She hasn't bottled that emotion up. Like the crying is release. And, um, you know, whether you're a guy or a girl, that, that feeling is... That feeling is the same for everybody. I just find it really, I just find it really, really interesting that um, men are allowed to cry if their football team wins. That's fine. Gaza could cry when he got sent off in the semi cup, you know, and and you're allowed to cry when um, you see a when, when your son's born and, and all that type of stuff. That's socially acceptable for, for men to do. If you cry because you give everything to something in sports so you see it at the olympics you you see somebody 
even if they lose and they lose hard and they cry, people support that. That's absolutely fine. That's heroic. But if you're on a dance show, you're not allowed to do it because it's seen uh, in a different light to all these masculine adventures. I find that very, very interesting because, you know, as, as you just said, Fern Cotton, she, she, um, she, she unwinds with a good cry and she can tap into that nature. It's like holding in a sneeze. It's bad for you. And every emotion that you feel should be let out instead of held down and suppressed because it builds up to something else that can manifest in a different way. I find it really interesting that men, men for centuries have just not been good at letting that out because that absolutely should be a thing that we're all allowed to do at any given time, especially like you just said, I've put everything into this and they said, it's great. That's what we worked for really. And we worked really hard for it. I've had my moment. Let me have a cry. It should be absolutely fine, shouldn't it? Yeah. And for some people, you know, or for some guys, especially if they've had a hard day at work, their way of letting it out is to go and play five-a-side or smash a squash ball around the court or, you know, go to the gym. Those things are socially acceptable, but for some reason you're not allowed to. And actually, it's not even the outside perspective, the inside perspective. A lot of people will feel like they feel, feel so bad but they'll go home and they don't feel like they can cry. Um, mm. And I think that's well, a, a really sad place to, to be, you know. <laughs> I was, uh, I had some really difficult days. There was, there was, I did a particular job. I won't say what it, what it was, but there was a particular job that I did for a number of months. And I thought I was terrible at it. Really bad. Like I, I, and as the days went on, I didn't, I felt like I couldn't, get any better and you know it was winter and it was dark and it was a new job and I hadn't made loads of mates and I was um like I felt really like I was really struggling and um again thankfully my wife was there and you know girlfriend at the time but my, my my partner was there to kind of pick me up at the end of the day because we, we were talking about it um but had she not been there I would have to totally found myself crying it was mm-hmm. it was that I, like professionally I I hadn't been that low I just didn't know a way out a way to get better I guess I knew that it was only going to be for a finite amount of time but I just had to hold hold out um, but there will there'll be people all over the place that are doing exactly that and they're coming home and they are just in the doldrums well, that's and what... they don't know how they can how can they can let it out uh, and for some people crying would be the answer so just you know whatever it is if you're not not a squash player then go and have a cry (laughs) well that's the thing you see um not many men specific i didn't have a clue what my tools were if i was frustrated and angry with something i wouldn't go and play squash i wouldn't know what to do with it and i would hurt myself i'd go to the pub and i'd self-diagnose myself with 10 pints or a bottle of whiskey or whatever it was um and i would negatively pour some water over the fiery anger inside of me and this is the thing you know like yes be in tune with your emotions no if you're upset and you want to cry have a, have a good old cry share your story with somebody else much like what you've just talked about with your with your partner or a close relative or a friend of yours or whoever it is and try and find something to positively um a, a, a positively address your feelings into something 
uh, active or just just redirected into something positive because otherwise that that burning fear and burning anger, whatever it is inside of you, comes out in a very negative way. And you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's all about pushing it into something uh, more positive. And unfortunately, men don't do that en masse. They don't. Yeah. And sometimes, and well, a lot of the time, we don't have the answer. But you'll find when you do share it with other people, how willing they are to listen. I've always tried to be for my mates and I've you know I've had loads of friends over this period who found it really hard um even before this you know other other friends who've had kids and you know the dynamic has changed and they found it really really difficult and I've always tried to be uh, um an, an ear for them to, to to share some of that stuff and if you are able to hand that stuff over one does it sort of share that it kind of it kind of lifts a lot of that that those weight off that weight off your shoulders but also they kind of might have those tools those ideas to help you try to turn it into positive try to figure out a new way of tackling those problems and um it's so it's so important like people are willing to listen now and i think sometimes if you feel like if you are kind of in a really tight place that nobody wants to hear my problems. Nobody wants to hear because everyone has got their own problems and they don't want me to be kind of a burden. So I'm just, I'm just going to try and get over it myself. Like that is so not the way to go. You, you know, for, for guys and for girls and for everybody, you know, the people love you because well, people love you and they want you to, to be happy and they want you to be better and, um, and they will do anything they can. To, to do that so they are very very wise words my friend thank you so much for sharing some of your reality from over the last few months and and over your career as well it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you as it always is but uh on this level i've enjoyed it especially thank you yeah mate it really is and i i, I i've been told sometimes i am too honest <laughs> um, but in, in in situations like this I find it so I, mean, I just think it's amazing Fuck to be that. able to have because, always be yourself you know just be yourself just be yourself and and, and, and open up and you know it, you'll feel so much better for it and same mate same you know I, I, I feel like I do have outlets to be able to talk about stuff but it doesn't always happen so to be able to just have a little breeze with you mate is mm. um is lovely it's going to be a good day it's still mucky weather out there but it's going to be a good day you know today is a good day my friend thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it and if anybody's listening out there and their friends actually reach out to you and open up and uh and are honest to you be this space for them you don't have to fix them there is no need for you to be a a therapist in that moment just you can you can just sit there and listen to your mate and that's going to do the world of good and you can save a life by doing that and you can save your own by sharing your own story so please if you're listening um be as open as you possibly can and uh and uh, good luck with everything and godspeed thank you so much for coming amore you're you're a good guy and i wish you all the very best and when this is all over i can't wait to go for a beer with you you too, mate, and I cannot wait to see you in your next Marvel superhero film. It's yes. going to be a blockbuster. Yes. Thor, the Kefili years. <laughs> Take care, mate. Kefili, Take bro. you soon. Take it easy, man. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you.
change the face of men's health. For more information or to support Movember, head to movember.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.